Welcome to A Coach's Spirit with Blake Rockwell and Kendall Allen. A good coach sets up a good drive and keeps the momentum and energy flowing among the team itself and ultimately the fans. In this program, we speak to the coaches to find out more about strategy, influences, and their motivation to lead well. Now, here are your hosts, Blake Rockwell and Kendall Allen. Coming to you from New York City. This is A Coach's Spirit, hosted by Special Spectators. Thank you for joining us. I'm Blake Rockwell. And I'm Kendall Allen. Today's guest will be Duke head coach David Cutcliffe. We look forward to speaking with him at the bottom of the hour. Join us at about 2.30. Well, hang with us now, but he'll be on at 2.30 Eastern, 11.30 a.m. Pacific time. I'd like to start out uh, the today's show with a very heartfelt tribute If you joined us for our debut episode a few weeks ago, you know we dedicated the show to our good friend, Steve Bartz. At that time, Steve was fighting his own battle with cancer and had been for about a year. I'm sorry to say that our good friend Steve succumbed to his illness less than two weeks ago. Steve was a passionate supporter of Special Spectators. He was a trusted advisor, a great friend, and for 15 years served on the Special Spectators Board. Saturday, I had the privilege of attending the celebration of Steve's life. It was incredible. It captured so beautifully every aspect of his life, his strong faith, his absolute and total devotion to his family, his wife, Kimbra, his daughters, Brittany and Courtney, and his son-in-law, Josiah, and his uncanny ability to give everyone time and counsel. In her eulogy, his daughter Brittany described how her heart broke knowing that Steve wouldn't see or play with his future grandchildren. I think in a way he's serving as a grandfather right now to the special spectators who greeted him in heaven. And he's gathering them together right now for a game of football, the game that he learned while going to high school at St. Rita on the south side of Chicago. You know, in talking with our coaches, we often hear about the servant leader. Steve was that 100%. I had the honor of knowing him for, say, the past six or seven years. He's going to be missed, so missed, but he'll always be with us. He was a game day volunteer himself. We're going to spend a little bit of time talking about what the world is for our volunteers here at Special Spectators, but it was so amazing and such a kick to watch him in action at our game days. I think I met him at Northwestern, actually, that event with Fitz. He is just such a kid at heart, and that comes through. Absolutely. The the biggest kid there. But, Steve, we love you. We miss you, my brother. And uh, we'll see you soon. Hopefully not too soon, but we'll see you. All right. Wanted to talk to you uh, ways that you can help support special spectators. Kendall, did you know that you know what tomorrow is? What is it? Tomorrow marks 150 days until the first Saturday of the 2017 college football season. It will be here before you know it. In our preparation for the 2017 season, we need your support now as we plan for the busiest time of the year. You know, we often talk about our longer-term vision, which is to be 
all sports, every season, all year long, nationwide. And that remains true. But in some seasons, our college football presence is just is immense. I mean, we've had as many as uh, 50 events. You know, sometimes it's 35, sometimes it's 50. I know you, know you started out with a small but mighty two that grew. And we are ramping up for a robust season. So it's worth saying that with that season alone and preparing for that, there are so many ways you can help provide one of the greatest days in the life of a seriously ill child. You know, we always say that we're all about the joy of game day and everything that goes into making sure that that joy is the case. So there are volunteers, there are partners, there are underwriters, people who cover specific costs of things, people who give in-kind contributions, you know, whether it is you know, signage or a tent or food and beverage. Um, there are sponsorship opportunities. And then, the, of course, there are volunteer opportunities, immensely so, because we've got about 100 people nationwide focused on that part alone. We wanted to kind of zip through and, and talk about some of these different some of these different uh, ways of working with us. And just, it's important to say, we collaborate actively with the children's hospitals and the staffs there, with the athletic departments and the coaches, and then with various other kind of community forces to make these events happen. Yeah, a lot of people go into making this one of the greatest days in the life of a seriously ill child. And our volunteers are actually up to about 135, which is quite remarkable. And they're all very passionate, very dedicated to special spectators. They love doing it. So many people tell us it's one of the easiest uh, volunteering gigs they've ever done. And, um, you know, obviously we want to do much, much more. Well, and one of the easiest ways to start visualizing how one can help is to think about the blueprint of our day. And granted, it's a little bit different with every school, but there's kind of a starting point. And it begins with the arrival. And often that welcoming is happening at the tailgate. So there's the tailgate. Maybe there's some private time with the coach and his office. Maybe there's time in the locker room. Maybe there's a special tour. Maybe there's some other VIPs on site that we're engaged with. Um, we're always looking to build out the experience. Maybe that's escorting kids in cars. Maybe that's doing some cool apparel stuff. Maybe that's creating some kind of unique experience around the food itself and the beverage itself or some of the game playing that goes on. And then from there, you know, we're spending time on the field. Maybe we're doing some scoreboard stuff. Maybe we're doing the coin toss. Maybe there's another tour. Maybe there's time in the press box. So while we start with the basics, tailgate, time with the team, and a great seat at the game, we're always looking to build out the experience. So, you know, people have really helped out with those different facets of the day. Yeah, and the tailgate is really the biggest expense for us on game day because uh, our typical event is somewhere around 25 to 30 people. And, uh, you know, we need to feed those people, especially those kids. They eat like crazy. And uh, plus they need to be fueled up to cheer, help cheer the team to victory. So, you know, renting the tent, the tables, the chairs, uh, arranging for food and beverages and decorations and signage and all of that in the tailgate, that's, a, that's one of our biggest expenses on game day. And, uh, you know, there are a number of ways that people can support us in that effort. Yeah, so we want to dig in a little bit to some really fun volunteer stories before we go to break. When we come back, um, we're going to be uh, we're going to be talking a bit more, but wanted to talk about um, 
ways to ways to get involved. Specifically, if you'd like to donate, of course, visit our site. There's a donation area there, and you can, of course, view all kinds of pictures. Special spectators. Yep, specialspectators.org, and you can click the donate uh, button right on the top. Uh, right in the toolbar there, it says donate, click that, and it's very uh, easy to make a donation to Special Spectators. And may I add also, $25, just $25 pays for one child to have an incredible, memorable, inspiring college football game day experience all over the country. And so uh, $25 is it. Obviously, $100 for a family of four. And uh, we, we, we do it, uh, we, we extend every as far as we can. So $25, donate, $25 donation sends a seriously ill child to a game, $100 for a family of four, and so on. And if you happen to be in the business of auto or apparel or food and beverage and would like to talk to us and you can visualize how you might add to the experience, please just be in touch and, and let us know. Why don't we talk a little bit about some of your favorite volunteer, I'll say, stories or personalities. There are a few there that are. come up when you and I talk about this. There are some great stories, yeah. Let's talk about some of those. Well, we've even had two volunteers who never, who didn't know each other until they became volunteers, and they are Rich and Menakshi. And they became, they started dating uh, as, as a result of meeting as Special Spectators volunteers. And they went on to get married and are still happily married and still active with Special Spectators. Rich runs one of our biggest events every season at the University of Illinois, which is his alma mater. And that event is about 75 to 100 people total. So it's our biggest uh, game day experience every year. So pictures always panoramic on that one when we get all the kids and the players together. It yeah. requires special lenses just to get everybody in. Definitely. <laughs> but Special Spectators is spreading the love in more than one way. Uh, another great story, actually, one of our guests from, yesterday, from last week's show, Laura Robinson, uh, their child, David, is uh, a cancer was a cancer patient uh, still gets checkups every year but you know Laura and her family were initially a family who were on the receiving end of special spectators and had such a powerful experience at their game day experience at the University of Virginia that they have now become she and the family have now become volunteers of special spectators and have been for about the last three years or so helping with events at the University of Virginia, Virginia Tech, and Wake Forest. So that's, a gr- that's another great example. Also, my buddy Cole Burke, how are you doing, Cole, out in Oklahoma, uh, he, he was a special spectator at our Oklahoma State game day experience several years ago. I don't even want to think how long back that was. But Cole eventually went into remission, became a student at Oklahoma State University, and while a student, had such a powerful, impactful time as a special spectators at Oklahoma State that he wanted to give back. And he became a special spectator volunteer while a student at Oklahoma State and helped us out all four years there. So uh, three great stories, all completely different on, on you know, memorable people who have and still help 
special spectators. So it's really great. Uh, we're coming up to our first break. We'll get back into a little bit more about how you can help out and some other stories. Uh, join us right after this break. This is A Coach's Spirit. School to the pros, we, we cover, everything. cover everything. Let your voice be heard. Voice America Sports. Now you can take your favorite Voice America radio program with you anywhere. Sign up for our mobile app if you have an iPhone, Android, or BlackBerry. The Voice America Interactive Radio Player, powered by Aircast, gives you the freedom to listen to any of our programs anywhere, live, and on demand. No registration is required. Listen to your favorite Voice America hosts and discover new ones. Download the Voice America mobile app for iPhone, Android, or BlackBerry, powered by Aircast. Visit the Apple iTunes App Store, BlackBerry App World, or Android Market. Have you had a chance to check out Voice America's online magazine and blog, Press Pass? If you love our hosts and shows, check out articles that give an even deeper perspective. Plus topics about health and fitness, movie reviews, philosophy, business tips and tactics, spirituality, positive thought, current events, and even more about your favorite host. It's just a click away at VAPressPass.com. That's VAPressPass.com. VA Press Pass by Voice America. All access, all the time. Your internet flagship station for sports. Voice America Sports. You are listening to A Coach's Spirit. To reach the show today, please call 1-888-346-9144. That's 1-888-346-9144. Feel free to also send us an email to info at specialspectators.org. Now, back to A Coach's Spirit. We're back on A Coach's Spirit. I'm Blake Rockwell. And I'm Kendall Allen. We're coming to you from New York City. And this is A Coach of Spirit, hosted by Special Spectators. I just wanted to, I, I always forget to mention to people, if you want to send us a, a note, a question for Coach Cutcliffe, you can do so at info at specialspectators.org. And on social media, we are special fans on Twitter. We have a Facebook page, Special Spectators. We're on Instagram, Special Spectators as well. So you can follow us there and um, you know learn all the greatest news. And maybe in a month or so, we'll start uh, releasing a little bit of our schedule of upcoming game day events for the fall. But uh, before we get to Duke head coach David Cutcliffe, which we'll do at about 2.30, we want to go into a little bit more as to how you can support Special Spectators and our mission of giving seriously ill kids just one of the absolutely greatest day in their lives by hosting them at uh, game day experience all over the country. And let me just say again that we do what we do primarily in the fall with college football, 
full day experience. It's a six or seven hour day for these kids because we provide them so much. Um, but also that we are doing this at 50 of the largest colleges and universities across the country, all different types of communities that are served from big cities, whether it be Chicago with Northwestern or Boston with BC or Dallas with SMU or Los Angeles with UCLA, the San Francisco Bay Area with Cal, to much smaller communities like Starkville, Mississippi with Mississippi State and, and other communities like that. So we offer sponsorship opportunities, regional sponsorship opportunities, local sponsorship opportunities for local businesses in communities like that. And if Special Spectator sounds like something you would like to get involved with in that aspect, you can also email us at info at specialspectators.org and, and we'll get the conversation going because there are so many great touch points both outside and also inside the stadium because we partner with marketing departments and multimedia rights holders and there's just so many great touch points and so many wonderful moments. And my favorite moment with every game day is during a timeout when we get these kids on the field and they are introduced to a crowd, to the crowd. And the resulting response, reception from that crowd is gives me goosebumps. After all the events that I've been going to for 15 years that we've been doing this, it's still by far my favorite moment, and it still gives me chills. And that is when you take a group of seriously ill kids, put them on the 50-yard line or somewhere on the field during a timeout, and introduce them to the crowd and ask the crowd to welcome them to the stadium, the response is this thunderous standing ovation, and it is so cool. And, you know, imagine crowds, 80, 90, 100,000 people giving these kids... Uh, one of the loudest standing ovations of the game. It's a, it's an awesome moment. An awesome moment. Um, anything you wanted to add? Anything that I forgot? Really? Well, I always flash on to the kiddos and the different faces and moments from, you know, over even just the years that I've been involved. I always have a special little buddy for the day who I kind of connect with and run around. And it's just so much fun to see the joy, to see them giggling, and sometimes even to see them trying to play it a little bit cool, you know, and they're, they're so tiny and they're next to these giants or on the shoulders of these giants. And it's, it's really just magnificent. So, you know, it's a great joy to be involved with that joy. And I, everyone who works with us, and this is an objective of ours, truly, everyone who works with us or collaborates with us or gets involved is just blown away by the experience. And it, it is great for everyone. The exchange is absolutely mutual. And that's what's really, really powerful. I think we wanted to well, share a little bit more. Yeah. The, one thought that came to my mind that when um, when we do the stadium announcement, like I said, the moment that I love the most, and escorting kids back to their seats after that moment and seeing the reaction from the fans is really quite something. I, I don't care age, whether male, female, big burly guy, some some child, being able to see their reaction in the first few rows in the stands as we walk by them, taking the kids back to their seats, 
where you see people wiping tears from their eyes. They're yelling words of encouragement out to the kids. They're reaching over the wall to give the kids a high five. I mean, you know you've really made an impact and it, it all adds to the day. So anyone who's listening who has witnessed that moment and who has really helped give these kids, uh, the, acknowledge these kids the way that they deserve, I appreciate it immensely. And, and they send their thanks as well. And um, that, that gives you a, a little sense of, of what, what we're talking about. Um, I wanted to get into some of the conversations that we've had with, uh, with past coaches and some things that have come up socially, viral stuff that's come up this week. It's, it's kind of interesting how some of these viral videos or little posts have really taken off. And a lot of those messages echo what our coaches have been telling us as well. It's really kind of fascinating as, as we do this. One example of it is UConn women's head basketball coach, Gino Oriema. His video, it, it, it has really taken off right now. A lot of people think it's from this current women's tournament. It's actually from last year's tournament. But he talks about body language and enthusiasm and players either not being engaged or or being engaged in the game from the sidelines and how important that is. And that's something that we talked about with Coach Pat Fitzgerald from Northwestern. It's interesting because he told us during the interview that, uh, you know, how mindset preparation, having enthusiasm, having gratitude are so important and that he, he stands along with some of his strength and conditioning coaches at the entrance to the football building. And as the players are filing into the building, if they aren't enthusiastic, if they have really poor body language, he sends them right out of the building and says, come back when you're ready. And he'll check them out again. And if they still don't have it, they got to go back out again until that keeps repeating until they have the proper body language and enthusiasm. And that's something that Coach Oriyama was talking about, how, you know, this is not a right. This is a privilege. And the star player, he will have them sit for a half an hour on the bench during a game if he just feels like they don't have the proper enthusiasm for the game. They're not invested in the game they just are demonstrating poor poor body language and i i see that too uh i went to a high school game last fall and and uh i could see players on one team shoulders were hung down head was down arms were or hands were almost down to the knees i knew that it wasn't going to be a good outcome for them because I could just tell from the body language. It's got to be consistent, considering, consider also the message that you're sending to your opponent as well. Um, another big uh, viral piece that's going around right now, actually, this was pretty cool. It, it's the same coach, but I want to bring up two things. South Carolina men's basketball coach Frank Martin 
I don't know if you saw this, Kendall, but there's this great video from a post-game news conference. I think it was their game Friday night. Uh, and I just want to give big props to, I hope I'm saying his name right, Max Bonstetter. Max is a young man who is a reporter for Sports Illustrated Kids. And I don't know how, I, I think Max is somewhere around 12 or so. I probably don't have that age correct, but um, he basically congratulated Coach Martin on their defensive performance and asked him about his defensive philosophy, whether it was, um, I'm trying to find the exact quote, but whether it was technique or attitude that helped with defense. And first of all, Coach thanked Max for this great question, but he also said, uh, you know, that it was all about attitude with the right attitude, selling them into, uh, their defensive philosophy. They can then teach the proper technique, but talking about Frank, I just wanted to get back to one of his big messages that's going around. And that is about, you know, kind of kids today. And, and people think that, um, you know, people say, you know, how different are kids today? And his message is, it's not the kids. It's the parents. Uh, that the parents are the problem. That the parents are not demanding more from the kids. And and by demanding, we don't mean, you know, being a drill sergeant. We just mean asking more for them. And, and as Fitz said as well, being the parent of a of three boys who are involved in sports. It's not, it's not a right. It's, it's a privilege and just don't get kids involved in sports to get them involved in sports. They have to take care of everything else that has a priority such as school, such as, you know, doing, fulfilling their responsibility about around the house. Um, and, and if they do that, then they can participate in sports, but it's, you know, knowing what should come first and properly placing those things first before sports. Anything you wanted to add to that? I kind of rambled. No, not at all. I, I really, um, I, I think that's a great way to expand on the idea of being motivated, present, engaged. And though I look at it, through the lens of how our kids are, our special spectators are on those, those days. I mean, we all talk about this Great amongst point. ourselves and parents and, you know, we, we do compare and contrast to the decades past and assume that there's something that's changed with kids. There's nothing like the level of distraction today when it comes to devices, when it comes to maybe being overprogrammed, overbooked. And so, I don't know, we, we like to work with our kids to be present, to be engaged. And that means we need to look to them to follow our lead and we need to lead by that example. But what is so cool about the special spectators, they are there, they are engaged, they are, they are present. There is no place else they'd rather be and they don't take anything for granted because they can't. And so we like to set that pace as well. Yep, absolutely. All right, let's go to break. We're going to come back with Duke head coach, David Cutcliffe.
your internet flagship station for sports, Voice America Sports. Follow the Voice America Talk Radio Network on Twitter. We're at Voice America TRN. You'll get the latest fix on what's happening with our shows, this week's featured guests, and general happenings that you should know about at the Voice America Talk Radio Network. Now you don't have to miss anything when you're away from your home or office. Just go to twitter.com forward slash Voice America TRN or follow along with us at Voice America TRN, the Voice America Talk Radio Network. We're on the cutting edge of social media. Can you keep up? Have you friended us on Facebook yet? Why not? Just go to Facebook.com forward slash Voice America or search for the keywords Voice America. Once you are part of our Facebook network, you'll receive daily messages about what's happening with our shows, this week's featured guests, and new happenings of the Voice America Talk Radio Network. And you can add your voice to the always active discussions on our wall. Just go to Facebook.com forward slash Voice America or search for Voice America. The opening kickoff is a beauty. It's a fly ball. School to the pros, we, we cover, everything. cover everything. Let your voice be heard. Voice America Sports. You are listening to A Coach's Spirit. To reach the show today, please call 1-888-346-9144. That's 1-888-346-9144. Feel free to also send us an email to info at specialspectators.org. Now, back to A Coach's Spirit. Welcome back to A Coach's Spirit. I'm Blake Rockwell. And I'm Kendall Allen. Today's guest on A Coach's Spirit got his start in coaching over 40 years ago at Banks High School in Birmingham, Alabama. He's been working, roaming the college sidelines for over 35 years and is currently getting ready for his 10th season as the head coach of the Duke Blue Devils. We are so excited to welcome David Cutcliffe to A Coach's Spirit. How you well, doing, Coach? I love, I'm good. I love the, the name. If someone <laughs> should have a strong and good Spirit, in my opinion, it should be a coach, which uh, is a person who has a great opportunity to help mentor and take young people where they want to go. That's exactly right, Coach, and that's why we came with that title, because we feel that is so absolutely important, especially in today's world. But we wanted, we wanted to ask, you know, how did you come to the decision, and why did you decide to become a football coach? Well, that one's pretty pretty easy. I decided at 15 years old um, that is what I would do for my lifetime. I uh, lost my father. Um, our circumstances were pretty tough, so the opportunity for me all had to lie in athletics. My high school coaches, not just my head coach, who was Shorty White, a very successful high school coach, Coach, we were a powerhouse in the state of Alabama, but <clears throat> they made a difference in my life, and I'm still close with all of those men that are still living, fortunately, and uh, I knew I needed to give back. You know, there's there's a lot to leaving people and places better than we found them, and uh, Certainly those men did that with me. 
And then from there, of course, I got the good fortune to go to the University of Alabama to be around Coach Bryant and his staff. The staff was just exceptional. Um, So it just, each year of my young adult life, it just burned brighter every year. And what's great is here more what people think near the end of my career, and I don't see an end that it's burning brighter than it ever has. Oh, that's great. Hey, Coach, I understand you could not play at Alabama because of an injury. Yeah. But Coach Bryant was still a great influence on your life. What was his impact on you? Well, from a football standpoint, it was organization, uh, great communication, great surrounding yourself with great people. Uh, whether it was the folks that, that ran Bryant Hall, ran the dorm, uh, people in the offices, certainly the staff, people in the equipment room and the training room. Uh, I was exposed to just incredible people, the players uh, in that era themselves. Um, so it wasn't just Coach Bryant. It was Coach Bryant's way of doing things. But I think what I learned from Coach Bryant, if you do things well, and you do them consistently well, you will attract great people. And the only way you're going to be great at the collegiate game is having great people around you that football means a great deal to. And I'm not talking about winning and losing or the ball or even the field. Football, in all of its big definition, it's got to be important to them. Yeah, absolutely. And then, so after Bama... You went back to your high school, Alma Mater, Banks High School in Birmingham, and you coached there uh, from 76 until 81, if I've got that timeline right. And then yeah, you, were hi- right. You, were hi- you were hired by Coach Majors, Johnny Majors, legendary coach from Tennessee. Yep. And, and you spent the next 17 years at Tennessee. So between Coach Bryant at Bama, Coach Majors, and then Coach Fulmer also, yep. what qualities did you learn from them that you've applied to your own coaching style? Well, the um, one of the early mottos in Coach Major's era, um, I joined him after, you know, a few tough years that, that had been had at Tennessee, uh, was, was character first. And, um, you know, being, being consistent but tough on young people. Uh, I think I realized under Johnny Majors that we were developing people that were going to do well in life because he made them tougher. Uh, he was consistent with his demands, not unfair, but um, he was also another one that took organization to another level for me. Uh, then then having the chance to work with another Hall of Fame coach, Philip Fulmer, uh, Philip was the... Um, He's a driver. I mean, he, he, his perseverance, uh, nothing swayed Philip. And so you learned that you, nothing was ever kind of as bad as it seemed, nothing ever as good as it seemed. Philip's work ethic was just second to none. Um, just day after day, he could, he could grind it out like any good offensive lineman does. You know, and that was Philip's personality and extremely smart. And I think he, he, he taught me a new level of recruiting, um, just the effort and organization. So just from a day-to-day football operation, David Cutcliffe may be as, as, as uh, fortunate as anyone uh, to have been around just some 
absolute Hall of Fame football coaches, and I've tried to learn from each one of them. You know, Coach, in thinking about stage and the time of life that it is for these young men, here's what I find fascinating about college football coaches in particular. You've got about 110 or so young men. They're between 18 and 22 coming to you from a variety of backgrounds, communities, family situations, life circumstances. They're away from home for the first time probably. How in the world do you bring them together and foster team, create that team dynamic, if you will? What kind of what goes into that? What's the uh, what's the art? What's the knack? Well, it is. It's, a, it's an ongoing art. Um, I think it has to start with us and and trying again. It goes back to good attracts good. You you better be good at the selection process. You don't compromise value. So the first thing I ask a young coach is tell me what you value. And that simply means what's important to you. That your morals may be something that is a value, but that's that's not what we're talking about. Just really what's important to you about a program. So we we set our values early and then in the process of recruiting, we are not going to compromise those values for talent. Um, that is a very difficult thing for coaches in this environment today where it's money-driven. Uh, television and the money and the exposure is just enormous. The pressure can be enormous. So I think it's clearly outlining what you expect the culture to be, and then you have to live it. So at that point, um, you know, once you know and you have a culture in mind and everything, Everything, every decision any of us make heads in that direction. What it does uh, is, is it, it's all about our habits, and, and the only habits that matter in a culture are the collective habits. Um, so our football program has a set of values. We also have things that we consider very important habits that all of us have to assume. So those collective habits are what we focus on to build our football culture day-to-day here at Duke. Gotcha. So you're entering your 10th season at Duke. It's hard to believe. Having continuity as a head coach helps, obviously, maintain a consistent culture. But does each team or each season develop their own unique personality within that culture? I think there's no question every team has a chemistry or a personality. Um, even to the point that some of them have a sense of humor. Uh, some of them are a little edgy. Uh, unfortunately, at times we have teams that maybe lack a little bit of confidence. Uh, some of them are real fiery. Some of them are very poised, and it obviously can be a combination of all of it. I found it interesting this spring that this 2017 team we have, the personality was an incredible gift that they've got is that they really enjoy each other, whether it's from team meeting to practice, and they love to practice. They really love to work. Um, I, I, I love, at this point, I love the personality of this team. There's a nice blend of uh, humor. Um, we, we've got some pretty tough guys, which you better hope you do in this climate today. I mean, it's, they're good people. And they're good people off the field. But you better be plenty tough on the field to beat the quality of talent we're going to see in the ACC. And I I think this team's got a little air of toughness about it that I've liked a lot. 
So obviously your culture, your values are going to remain constant, but do you tweak your coaching based on that team's personality? Yeah, I think you have to. You don't ever, you know, I've coached quarterbacks for a long, long time. And um, even, you know, people ask me all the time, you know, what's the difference in the Mannings? And it's subtle, but you can't coach them the same way. Um, So teams take on all of those things. So our teams, uh, based upon, and sometimes you don't get it right, by the way, as a coach, but based upon their maturity, their mentality, um, you know, how much you have to push, is it pulling teeth, you know, um, but it still all has to start with, with discipline with all of them. And when you can accomplish that and not overuse the word, mean it, uh, once we're there and we believe we're there, then I think that team can have an individualized personality. They can be treated a little differently once they have proven without any question we're a disciplined football team. And I would imagine that coaching a quarterback, you have to be very sensitive to what how you push their buttons. You know, some coach, some quarterbacks, you might have to emphasize mechanics. You know, where's your release point? Your release point looks a little too low or, or what have you. With other quarterbacks, it might be, you know, you just have to get in their face and say, hey, you don't start stepping into the ball. You're going to be right on the sidelines holding the clipboard next to me. Or, yeah. you know, with with another quarterback, you might just have to tell them a joke, a, a quick one-liner, just to help them relax a little bit. Um, is that an accurate assessment? And does it only happen with quarterbacks? Does it happen with all of your, your student-athletes, knowing I what think, buttons to push? I think all of them. But the reason it's exaggerated at the quarterback position is that when you have the ball, um, his involvement is far greater each and every play than anyone else. So he's being scrutinized, period, more than any other player on the field. Nobody really knows unless you see four or five sacks in a game whether you think which offensive lineman played well or didn't. Uh, quarterback's pretty obvious. So, yeah, there's definitively different personalities. The, uh, the way you coach a quarterback is from the neck up, and the neck down, those mechanics and fundamentals and footwork and all of those things ultimately have to come a mindless part of who he is. So you train that. You train that. Some of them are stubborn physically. So you have to push. You have to grind. You have to rip every now and then, you know. <laughs> but when you're training them from the neck up, um, you're training this, this person as a student of the game. You're also training it as a computer. When, when a play clock goes, goes, you know, kicks back in, as soon as the play's over, boom, 40 hits, 39. This guy's got to get up off the ground or get his eyes turned. While he's looking for some activity from the sideline, either signal or substitution, his mind is already saying left hash, it's third and four. He knows what the score is all the time. We're midfield. I mean, he's not really thinking about this, but he's processing it. That's what a computer does. It's a processor. Then he gets a signal. Then he's starting to look, make sure that his formation is correct if he's a no-huddle guy or he's got everybody in the huddle listening. And then your mind turns to the defense, and then you start seeing the, the front, the coverage. You're communicating verbally and physically. It's an amazing thing to train a quarterback. So what I'm getting to is this. 
you have different levels of physical and mental abilities. If you can't alter your ability to make it functional. Somebody told me one time they were going to coach every quarterback. This is an NFL guy. The same. He wasn't changing his system. And I thought, boy, you're going to fail, which he did. Um, <laughs> people program differently and focus differently. And I think it's one of the things we've done really well is that we've been able to take different types of people and be very successful. Our guys in our system are functional, but we're going to let them be functional in their way. If it's not functional, it's not good. I don't want to be impressed by a PowerPoint. I want a teacher as a coach is what I'm looking for. Such insights. Thank you. Thank you. Hey, Coach, we're going to take a quick break, a really quick one. But when we get back, we'd like to talk to you more about recruiting young men to Duke specifically and how you cultivate leaders on your team, community, and more. Stay right here on A Coach's Spirit. We'll be right back. The fans now have a voice to speak their mind. No holds barred. They need to bitch his ass and then move oh, on. I just, and get I just ready think that the coach made a mistake. All crazy. <laughs> NFL, MLB, NBA, NHL. Speak up. Speak up. Or forever hold your mouth. We ain't playing around here. Voice America Sports. Are you finding your frequency? It can be described as that space between failure and success. It's the future of digital media. It's finding your voice. It's engaging topics, content, and ideas. Jeff and Ryan discuss the digital media space and all of its aspects. It's about making the mistakes, taking the chances, summoning the intestinal fortitude to step out of your comfort zone, and discovering what you can accomplish when you decide to try, decide to learn, decide that you have something to say, and find your frequency. Fridays at 2 p.m. Pacific Time, 5 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Variety Channel. Now there's a new destination for video content, voiceamerica.tv, just like our radio channels and so much more. Voice America Variety, Health and Wellness, Business, Sports, Green Talk, Power Up Motorsports, and 7th Wave Network now have their own video channel components. Plus, check out exclusive programming, including movies, music, educational courses, science and history, current events, and short features. High-definition, premier-quality programs available 24-7, voiceamerica.tv. If you think you've seen online TV like this before, let us surprise you your internet flagship station for sports voice america sports you are listening to a coach's spirit to reach the show today please call 1-888-346-9144 that's 1-888-346-9144 feel free to also send us an email to info at specialspectators.org. Now, back to A Coach's Spirit. We're back on A Coach's Spirit, talking with Duke head coach David Cutcliffe. So we promised we were going to talk a bit more about recruiting, Coach. Tell us specifically how you go about it. You talked about talent and not compromising principles, yeah. good makes good, and all that. Let's get into that a little bit. How, what's your process? Well, you know, the, the first, I, I tell prospects this and their parents, the first place we, u- we usually meet a prospect is on film. So how do you meet a person on film? Well, the, the consistency, I'm not a big highlight guy, I'm a game guy. 
And so I'm going to watch you in a game. And so effort and focus and consistency of effort. You're, you know, and I tell young people all the time, you're introducing yourself. What you put on that tape is you. And so we learn a little bit there, and we certainly also evaluate talent, et cetera. You got to do that. The next thing is kind of paper for us. And I don't go straight to the grades. You might think that being that I'm at Duke. But I'm going to look at discipline reports. I'm also going to look at attendance. And I tell young people this all the time. I've never met anyone that became great at anything that didn't show up regularly and on time. So if I have a tardy sheet or an absence sheet that's too big that doesn't have some tragic explanation, then we drop the youngsters. After that's approved, then we obviously get into the meeting them and having conversations. And I I am a person that I think in conversation, uh, I like decisive people. Um, I think if you get people that are a little too namby-pamby, wishy-washy, they really, in, 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 in their thoughts, in their passions, then I don't think they're ever committed enough to be something great. So that's it's kind of how we start. We have a detailed, <coughs> excuse me, selection process that we've developed over the years. I've had a lot of guys that have been with me since the 90s, and um, we try to adhere to that. It's really important. And then we, but we mentioned those values that we have, and they can't violate any of that, or we're not going to bring them in to be a part of our program. Coach, you've been recruiting, I, I hate to emphasize this, but you've been recruiting over four decades, the 80s, the 90s, mm-hmm. 2000s, and now in the 2010s. Yep. What are some of the more challenging trends you see, or how have those changed over the course of those years in, in today's youth, whether it be you know, at your camps, on the recruiting trail, or with your younger players? I think we're dealing, each generation has become more distracted. Um, We have too many things that can consistently distract us. And uh, we see it not only in our youth, but we see it in our our political arena, uh, social media, uh, the constancy of electronics, uh, communication electronically. Um, What we have, and we have now reach generations that have never had to answer the phone wondering who it is, Um, caller ID. They can either choose to listen to you or not. We have every one of this generation has a delete button that they've had at their access forever. Uh, Just in a flash, they can delete you or turn you off. So I think what it's done, it's put a premium on quality communication. We've taken the same amount of reps that used to take a a two-and-a-half-hour practice, and we can execute it in an hour or 50 minutes, and they love it that way. I think after that 150, you're starting to be turned off a caller ID. You're being deleted. The channel's being changed quickly, whatever it may be. And I don't think that the people, even in the business industry, if you can't change, that's what your workforce is doing. Um, multitasking means you're not giving anything your total focus. We have to be good at it, but it can't be the sole driver in what you do. And so that's, 
this is coming fresh off a meeting with our staff that I just had this very conversation with about what we have to do well. Coach, I love that answer. That was a great answer. I, I want to ask you a few questions. We just have a couple more minutes. I want to ask you a few questions with quick answers. Do you prefer student athletes, multi-sport athletes as you recruit them? Yes, without doubt. I love competitors, people that love to play. That tells me a lot about who they are. And leadership. Are leaders born? Are they developed? Do they have to be coaxed out? Are, are, how, are you, how are your leaders nurtured at Duke? Yeah, I think you are birthed into some of that. But let, let me tell you what, what, what you have to do to develop leadership. What great leaders do are develop more leaders around them. That's your first role. Um, the, the U.S. Army tells us and shows us, if you'll read, uh, there's great books on leadership because if you have a dominant leader, then all you're doing is a demand, demand. Um, you see even civilizations fall out of dictatorships because when that leader goes down, there's no one left to lead. So what we really focus on, we have nine individual groups, accountability teams. They're kind of like military. They're, and we have leaders within that structure. It crosses over sides of the ball, grade, certainly race. I mean, it's a really cross section of our team. They do their own thing. They do their own training. They do their own community service. I'm not going to spoon feed that to them. I don't want this for media purposes. They report back to a person on our staff, and they have to accomplish a certain amount of things. So ultimately, those guys, most of them are older guys. Some of them are sophomores that are the leaders of those units. But it's fun to watch them do a better job than I would have done in developing other leaders. So it's kind of a, a way to, to, to wrap up. How about when your kids leave, when they're young man walking off campus, off the field? What are your hopes for them, assuming we they've played well? One thing, be a standalone man. Our guys have all graduated. They're going to be – I don't really care about the degree part. We're going to get that. What I want them to be is educated people with a backbone. And I don't worry about them, and I mean that sincerely, not arrogantly. Uh, they're going to do well. They're going to make a community better. Uh, they're going to make a family better. Um, I feel very good about where they're headed and, and what they're going to do in life. Coach, I wish we could talk to you longer. We got to get going. Thank you so much for your time and the great conversation. Look forward to seeing you again, talking to you again. Thank you for joining A Coach's Spirit. And folks, tune in next Tuesday, 2 o'clock Eastern, 11 a.m. Pacific time for A Coach's Spirit right here on Voice America Sports. Thanks, Coach. Thank you for tuning in to A Coach's Spirit. Be sure to join your hosts, Kendall Allen and Blake Rockwell, next Tuesday at 11 a.m. Pacific Time and 2 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Sports Channel. Have an incredible week ahead.